All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Thursday, December 29th of 2022. Should be a fun day today. Got an NFL showdown. Got a six-game NBA slate as well as a, a uh, I think, 11-game NHL slate, if I am correct, which, yep, just checked and I am so should be a lot of fun tonight a lot of DFS action coming at you for those of you who are new here welcome my name is Andrew I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim this is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app answer any and all DFS related questions that come in live in the YouTube chat or in the office hours channel in our discord server if you are not joined up in our discord there is a link in the description below to get joined up, you can get your questions in early. We answer the Office Hours channel questions first before jumping over to YouTube chat. So you can get questions in throughout the day. Build up a queue to get answered on this show as well as participate in all of the awesome uh, sport channels we have. A lot of great conversations, uh, sports specific, happening over there each and every day. Uh, that being said, you know, looking forward to tonight. A lot of breaking news with the Titans in the last 30 minutes. For those of you who have not caught it, you know, you can always catch up on news in the NFL lineup alerts channels. We plug in the underdog tweets and you can see uh, breaking news. So for those of you who don't know, Derrick Henry not expected to play today. Dontrell Hilliard already out as well. Word is that Hassan Haskins is expected to lead the backfield at a whopping 3000 salary on uh, DraftKings, which is really, really low. And Malik Willis is not starting with Brian Tannehill out. Uh, Tennessee is instead deciding to go with Joshua Dobbs, who has a whopping 17 career pass attempts. Should be a really interesting showdown. Should be able to build some unique positive EV lineups, I'm thinking. But that being said, you know, if you guys got questions, uh, now is a great time to get them in. We have two questions in the queue to get us going today. Going to get SaberSim pulled up here and going to get uh, our first question into the queue. So anyone who is watching, now is a great time to get in questions as always. But got a question here from Dominator. Dominator said, is there a way to make players with multi-position eligibility be used as only one position only in your lineups. For instance, I like to pay up a point guard instead of filter for point guard only above 6.9K, but it will cut out guys who are below that threshold who have the ability to be shooting guard as well. Thanks. Okay, so this is a good question. Um, we were actually demoing something very similar to this the other day in the um, – in the uh on the show and we kind of ran into a bug right so so normally what you should be able to do say uh who's a good option right here like say pascal siakam right you he has multi-position eligibility for power forward and center but you're like okay i don't want to use him in the power forward spot i only want to use him as a center i think you know there's definitely times where that makes sense and i know that a lot of people like to do that what you should be able to do is you should be able to come in on the home screen, set his max exposure in the power forward column to zero. And then if you go over to the center column, his max exposure is still 100. So that should allow him 
into the center position. Uh, we were demoing this, and there was a bug with this. It was not working correctly. It was causing his exposure to be zero across the board. I took that back to the team. They are working on fixing it. Uh, so when this is fixed, we should post an update in the release notes channel in the Discord, which is where we post about any and all updates to the app. So that should be fixed fairly soon here. But in the meantime, what I would do is if, you know, this is a part of your regular process, I, you can still handle this in the post build, right? So if there is a specific player, you know, we'll continue to use Siakam where, you know, you want to use him only in the center, but not the power forward. You could simply zero his exposure in that spot only, right? So if we come in here, uh, we have 20 lineups here. You know, let's open this up to 150 to make sure that we get some of him. So if I'm going to go over to power forward, I'm going to look for Siakam here and I could just make his max exposure uh, zero. And what this will do is as long as I'm in the power forward column, it will only get rid of him here. He is still eligible for the center position, which we see him right here. And then he is also eligible for the utility. So I think this is important uh, across the board. Like sometimes people will say, hey, you know, I zeroed out Siakam and I still got him in my lineups. What happened? Well, you know, you only adjusted his exposure in this one lineup spot. This player is eligible, you know, for the forward spot, for the utility spot. Uh, this goes, you know, for NFL. I see a lot people, you know, are adjusting the exposure to their wide receivers. But, you know, the wide receiver, you're adjusting him in the wide receiver spot. He could still go into the flex, right? And and if Saberson thinks the person is a good play and you are disagreeing with Saberson, you know, Saberson is going to like, okay, you know, you don't want to play him as a wide receiver. Let's play him as a flex. And, and you might miss that. You might overlook that. So I think adjusting overall exposure – always do in the all column uh this will adjust their exposure in all the spots they are eligible for on a position eligibility basis if you are want to be very specific about what lineup slot a player goes into uh doing that in the individual columns is best so post build is the best place to do that at the moment uh while we work out the bug for how it works in the home screen but good question there that is how you do it I, I think the second part of this question, you know, I like to set a filter for point guards only above 6.9K, but it will cut out guys who are below that threshold who have the ability to be shooting guard as well. Okay, so, you know, if you are doing this as a group rule, maybe you're saying, you know, group automatic, um, pretty pretty interesting. I don't know how you would write that. So, I, I Dominator, I would be pretty interested to understand – how you are writing that rule. Maybe you're saying use at least one um, point guard who, uh, you know, maybe maybe you're doing a stat requirement. Maybe you're doing a filter. So maybe you're saying, you know, show players and then you're saying only point guards with my salary greater than, and then I would say 6,900. Is that what you're saying? So then what is happening is that it is removing them. Okay, so I get it now. So it is removing them completely. Um, to be honest, this is interesting. Um, I think that, you know, as a filter, this player meets the criteria, right? But I don't know if there is a way to say, you know, only remove them 
from the point guard spot. I don't think you can do that as a filter. I'm going to make a note of this, though. Um, salary filters by position affecting multi-eligible players. Multi-position eligible players. So I'm not sure if that's something we can fix, if that's intentional or or not, but I'll definitely take it back to the team and see how we can do that differently. Um, you might just have to do it in the post build. One of the best ways I think you could do that is run a build, come into the post build, go to your point guards, uh, sort by salary, and then just scroll down here to anyone underneath that threshold and then just take a quick minute to to zero them out. And that is probably how I would do it. Um, or you could also, yeah, I think, I think that's how I would do it. That took about like 10-ish seconds to do. Um, not, not the worst thing in the world, but definitely I could see, you know, how that filtering issue uh, could come into play. And then, you know, now you're, now you're not eligible to play Josh Giddy at all. Right. So interested to see, um, maybe we could do this as a group rule. So if I go to group automatic, use at least one, and then I'm going to say point guard, and then I'm going to add a stat requirement and then say salary greater than, uh, I'm going to say greater than 6,800. Right. So then I'm just going to save that as a rule here and then what it's going to do it should go and grab every every player that is above that salary right so all these guys so it's going to say you know must use at least one right so i think that should work just fine uh i i would try this out i would give this a shot you know we can run a we can run a quick build with this right now but um you know let's give it a shot i'm kind of invested in it now so we put a rule you know and, and got rid of all the other positions that we didn't care about. We only left that point guard position checked. So now all of our point guards should be above that threshold. Um, okay, so we're getting some players that are lower. I think it's using them in other spots. Like it is not only using them in the point guard spot. So I, I, I'm going to do a deeper dive into this and see what is going wrong here. But thank you for bringing this up. And this is a great time to bring these things up. We can talk about them. We can figure it out. And if not, I can always take it back to the team and see why something is not working correctly. But got to keep rolling here. Got a question from CG about the profit plan. Happy to talk about this. So CG said, I'm having trouble following the profit plan on FanDuel NBA. I maxed the nickel and quarter daily 170 lineups for 1250. And I also, also the 222, which is either 20 max or 25 max. Let's use 25 as an example. That puts my diversifiers at 1250 plus 5550 for $68. FanDuel offers a $1, a $2, a $5, a $10, a $25 single entry and a $1 three max. If I play all of those as my elevators, that total is $46, but I feel like the $10 and 25 is too much to be invested on two single lineups. So my question 
is instead of the $10.25, would it be better to play some of the 100-man leagues than pay 25x to first place but only pay out top 12? So, for example, a $5 100-man pays out 125 to first. Any tips would be appreciated. Okay, so this is a good question. Um, frankly, the only thing that I that I don't know is, you know, how much you are are trying to play on a, on a night-to-night basis. Uh, you know, looking at these totals, $68 in diversifiers and $46 in elevators, right? If I pull up my calculator really quickly, I, I think this is fine, right? The way the profit plan kind of reads is to take your 20 max and 150 max, which are your diversifier contests, play 50 to 75% of your bankroll in those contests and then play elevators, which are your single entries and three maxes, play 25 to 50% of your action in those contests, right? So, you know, looking at this 46 plus 68 is 114. And then if we do 46 divided by 114, that is about 40%. So your portfolio is like 60% diversifiers, 40% elevators. Maybe, you know, what you're saying is like you want to play some you know, closer to that 75, 25 range. I think that's fine. And it's totally, you know, within the bounds of the framework, right? The framework is flexible to uh, allow you to, you know, play a group of contests that you're comfortable with, right? To be honest, my, um, my opinion is that I think you should try to play some action on DraftKings, right? DraftKings has a, uh, 10 cent 20 max a 25 cent 20 max a 20 uh, i'm sorry a one dollar 20 max they have a one dollar a two dollar a five dollar i think they have a one dollar three max as well uh, a lot of good contests over there that are in that single entry range maybe you don't want to balance you know um diversifiers and elevators on two different sites. Maybe that's too much. Maybe just play the elevators, right? You know, take that $10 and $25 that you don't want to play on FanDuel and then take that money over there and use it uh, over there uh, only for elevators, right? That'll give you a couple of less lineups to manage and and may, maybe make it a little more manageable, make it an easier transition for you there. So it looks like it looks like CG is here. Uh, Chris, Chris is uh, giving us some follow-ups. Said dollar-wise, I'm in the range suggested by the profit plan. My issue is the majority of my elevators is in those two contests, the $10 and $25. I feel like that's just too much into just two lineups. Uh, I play on DraftKings as well. The profit plan works perfectly there. But FanDuel, I've struggled with it because the contests are so crappy. Yeah, I think I think it's okay. Um, personally, I don't think it's a bad thing to... I think the $10 is fine. The $10 is, you know... 954 entrance around that range, 900 to 1100 entrance, uh, pretty good contest. And then the $25 usually over 500 entrance. I could see, you know, how you could think that, uh, the $25 is, is maybe a little too much. Uh, I know they have a $15 three max, maybe try playing only one entry into that, right? It's still only, uh, 400 to 500 entrance. I don't think you're at a huge disadvantage only playing one entry into that contest. Um, you know, I think, I think with the profit plan, right. I, you know, you kind of say you play on DraftKings as well. It works. I really wouldn't split it up by site. I would really split it up. Um, 
I, I wouldn't split it up at all. I would think of it as a whole, right? If you're playing on DraftKings and FanDuel on basically the same main slate, I would treat it all as one. And that's kind of what I do, right? I don't I don't split it up on a site. You know, if, if there is a better contest on, on one site and a worse contest on another, uh, I, I won't play the worst contest just to have a perfect profit plan on FanDuel. So so what I'm trying to say is like maybe you're no you're playing all of your elevator action on one site and all of your diversifier action on another site in the most extreme example. Well, when you put those two things together and treat your bankroll for the night as a whole, uh it works out, right? It works out, you know, within the within the recommended percentages and from the profit plan perspective, it works out. But if you look at just your DraftKings, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm only playing elevators on this site. And then on FanDuel, I'm only playing diversifiers. Uh, that's okay, right? When you when you look at it as a whole. So I think it's okay to uh, do different, like, like not treat them separately. Frankly, I would um, say, you know, if those contests are the best contests and they fit the parameters and they fit your bankroll, uh, give them a shot. You know, the payouts are usually a little bigger, right? I think the $25 on FanDuel usually pays like 2K to first while like the $2 pays like 200 to first, right? So, you know, you're still playing within your means um, and you have a shot to to get a much bigger payout. You know, if you're, if you're worried about like what lineups are going into what contest, you know, maybe, maybe come in here, uh, run a diversifier build, uh, run an elevator build and then sort by unique rank. You know, maybe you have five lineups. Uh, you want, you know, your best lineup to go into your, highest dollar contest you know you go to your fill entries and you can um uh, you can uh rearrange the contest put the 25 dollar at the top make sure your top contest goes into that one and or if there's one you like you know that's the great thing about being able to move the contest around you could come into your five lineups hand pick the one that you want to take into your highest dollar contest rearrange your contest to make sure that lineup goes into the contest you want that way, at the end of the day, whatever happens, you know, you kind of had a little more control over that contest specifically and uh, won't be so bitter with the results if, if you know, there's a higher scoring lineup in a, in a smaller dollar contest. Chris, I like that idea. Think of it mm -hmm. as a whole. That's smart. Thank you. Uh, can you explain unique rank also? Thanks. Uh, yeah, you can ask as many questions as you want, Chris. Uh, no problem with that. So so the way uh, unique rank works, I was doing some testing over on FanDuel earlier, I think I have an entries file loaded up here. So, so let's say that I have, I think this is a good one here. Okay. So, so for this one, I have 45 unique lineups, right? And then if I go to fill, so what's going to happen is, you know, I built these 45 lineups for these two contests, the 25, the 25 entry and the 20 max here, right? What's going to happen? The top 25 lineups in this build, one through 25 are going to go into this first contest. And then 26 through 45 are going to go into the second contest. If I, if I, if I move these around now, the top 20 are going to go into here. And then 21 through 45 are going to go into the second contest. If I use unique rank. So it's going to basically continue to uh, fill the lineups like in order from your top rank to your lowest ranked for as long as for as many contests that are chosen here. Right. So if I were to click, if I were to add this one in now, that's 48. Once it gets to 45, it's going to restart. And then the top three will go into this next contest. So that is how unique rank works. Um, 
I think it's a good idea for being a little more spe specific with how your contests are sorted. You know, maybe you are um, doing it, you know, you want like the dime first, which is the $10. And then I think the assist, you know, maybe you want to sort it by prize pool here and you have uh, seven contests, right? So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to click these. So I have one, two, three, four, seven entries here. I built these seven lineups earlier when I was testing. I'm going to fill them unique rank. That way I'm doing it basically by, by the cost of the entry. So this is a $10 entry, $5 entry. And then uh, I think this is a $2, $1, and then a $1, three max. So now it's going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And a unique lineup for everyone ranked from top to bottom. So definitely think unique rank has some merit as I, I tend to use it a lot, especially since we have the min unique players now, right? I used to use unique random a lot because a lot of times, you know, your uh, best, your top lineups would be filled with um, whoever Saberson thought was like the highest expo, who thought Saberson was like the, the, the best play on the slate, right? I would see this a lot in golf. Uh, I would build 150 lineups, right? But if you looked at like the top 20 lineups, for, for instance, they all had Rory McIlroy, right? Even though Rory was 50% in my 150, he was like 100% in my top 20. So if you feel unique rank, you know, your top contest is going to have all your Rory equity. So in an effort to spread that out, I started to use unique random, you know, filling randomly gives you a better chance of all of your contests having uh, closer to similar exposure, right? That made a lot of sense at the time. Since we have min unique players now, with the ability to guarantee that, you know, if I, whatever I set this to, that four out of nine players, or I'm sorry, five out of nine players are different in every single lineup, that that's that's huge to me, right? If if I have this set at five, that means that five out of my nine players cannot be the same. Only four players can be the same in every single lineup. So by, by locking in that diversity through this tool, I now feel more comfortable using unique rank to then capitalize on the Sabre scores of my lineup. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm guaranteeing they're more diverse. So my, so my exposures are going to be more spread out. So now let's take the best lineups and put them in the best contests. And I feel a lot better doing that. Before, I felt like it was a little too high risk because although these were the best contests, they weren't diverse. They were just jam-packed with what SaberSim perceived to be the best plays. But this tool has changed the way I use that, and I, I would consider that probably best practice at the moment. All right, good question there. And I got another question here from Naj. This is our last question in the Discord, and then we will jump over to the YouTube chat, see if there were any other questions. Naj said, for the past two weeks, I've been seeing similar results for my 20 max MBA, pretty much breaking even or winning five to 10 in profit. Should I keep the same process in hopes at all or change up a few things? Okay. So, so Dodge, I, I think this is really important to understand. If you are breaking even or turning any profit on a night, you are beating the rake. Okay. These contests are raked anywhere from 10 to 15%. Most of the lower stakes contests are raked at 15%, right? So if there is, you know, it's a it's a single entry, um, 
There's 115 people in the contest. The contest costs $1. The prize pool is probably going to be $100, right? So so in, in DFS, right, you need to beat the rake and then and then still do well enough to turn a profit, right? If for, for two weeks, if you have consistently been breaking even or winning a small profit, you are beating that 15% margin and some, right? So, so, so that, that is a good process, right? Like that is what I would consider uh, a winning sample size, right? So, so I, I would be happy with that result, right? If you can continuously beat the rake and, you know, get enough lineup, unique lineups down and keep doing it night after night, like you are going to, you know, that is what, that is what smoothing out your variance is, right? You are decreasing the swings of losing a lot, winning a lot, and you are, you are smoothing it out. So you can get more instances and more times of you playing to where you can get to that big win. So I would be very encouraged by the results that you're seeing of consistently beating the rake. I'm not saying, you know, that's going to happen. I think two weeks is a small sample size, but it is definitely moving in the right direction. You know, you're in here every day asking questions, getting better. Uh, I'd be very encouraged with those results and I would continue to try and learn and try and ask good questions and continue to move down that path. But it seems like you're on the right path. So uh, big congrats there, you know, keep working hard and and keep learning. But I think, you know, you're on the right track hundred percent. All right. Jumping over to YouTube chat. Got a question from John M. John said, would it be possible when adjusting NBA game totals to have the extended stats updated, points, rebounds, assists, and not just the DFS score would mainly be for prop betting and not necessarily DFS, if that makes sense. Love the content. John, uh, this is this is interesting. I have not heard this request before. I can take this down as a feature request and uh, take that back to the team, uh, you know, any feature requests that you guys ever have, you guys can throw them in the chat. You know, we take those back to the team and, um, you know, those go into review for possible features that, that we're going to build into the app. So definitely see how that can be viable. Um, keep your ear to the ground for any news on prop betting. Uh, don't want to say too much, but hoping to have some news for you guys on that front in the near future. All right. Scrolling through here, um, you know, Chris had good explanation. Thank you. Happy you liked it. Uh, jumping back to Discord, one more question here in the Discord, and we will see what we do after this. Question says, is it worth filtering out lower uh, fantasy points, or will the lineups do that exclusion for you? I think default is set to 10. Yeah, so uh, I, I think this is really cool, uh, you know, with the sim diversity change that we made recently and the way it works with um, bucketing your um, sims, uh, it's it's really good. And I've actually, most nights, you know, the min projection filter for FanDuel is set at 13. I actually lower this. I, I, I usually lower this to something like 7 and give SaberSim even more flexibility to add players in my lineups. And, you know, I, 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 I love running this test. I think it is a really, really fun test to run. Um, you know, let take take the parameters off and see what SaberSim does naturally, right? I've I've discussed this with Jordan. Uh, Jordan turns it off completely. I don't love to do that. I love to set some, you know, minimum threshold. But if if you if you know if you give the builder 
more flexibility, and it still does the things that you want. I think that's only more reason to trust it here. Uh, so I'm going to open this up to 150 lineups. You know, we'll look at the top 150 here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sort by projected score. I'm going to scroll down here, and I'm going to see, you know, what are the lowest projected plays that it's giving me. Uh, so we we allowed it to go down to seven. We're still not seeing anybody below 13, which was the previous default. And we're only seeing two lineups that that a player is showing up in, right? Maybe we don't want to play these lineups for, for whatever reason, but but I think the bigger point is that, you know, we're not seeing a lot of them and we're only seeing um, a, a few instances even with extended flexibility. So I think the builder is is working in a really, really good manner uh, with the sim diversity change. And I, I've, I've begun to trust it a lot more. Uh, this is something I do kind of on a regular basis is decrease the projection filter, run a build, make my changes uh, toward the end when I'm getting closer to the lineups that I want to take with me into my contest, I will come in and I will spot check these, right? Maybe this is too much Malachi Branham for me. And, and I want to lower this to, to his pull exposure. For instance, I would do that at the end as kind of a final tweaking kind of thing. Maybe I feel the same way about Mike uh, Muscala. I saw that he ended up playing a lot. I think when um, Pokusevsky went down with a leg injury, uh, Muscula came in and played a lot in his absence. I saw that Poku is expected to miss some time. So maybe Muscula is Muscala, uh, if I'm pronouncing it wrong, is going to get more run and maybe he's going to end up starting or something, which is why we're seeing so much of him. So haven't done any looking at today's slate, but could definitely see him playing a lot. And, uh, maybe, maybe the, uh, 20, per, the 20 ish percent exposure is warranted, right? So make some sense there. So I think that, you know, you could you could give the builder flexibility, come in, see what low plays it's jamming in, figure out why it is jamming in those plays, and go from there. I think Devin Vassell is out today. So maybe Malachi Branham is going to play more. So the plays that I'm seeing at the lowest ranges make sense. This is way above our threshold anyways. So I, I, I'm very comfortable playing these plays. But I always think it's a good test to do it. Uh, follow up here says, what kind of filters should I add as a beginner? Seven on FanDuel is equivalent to what on DK? Um, so the, the scoring systems are like fairly close. You get bounced back and forth. You know, Luca's projection here is, is 59, right? And then if we're going over to DraftKings, we could just switch over real quick and see what his projection is. So 61. So it, it really is on a player by player basis because, you know, steals and blocks are worth so much more on um, FanDuel that, you know, if you're not getting steals and blocks, you're probably going to be lower projected on DraftKings. It is, a, it is a change, you know, it is, it is important, but I would just look at it on a um, site by site basis and then, you know, maybe you, you're saying, okay, you know, I want to decrease Luca 10%. Just do like a roundabout, you know, six points here and then go over to FanDuel and then do something similar over there. I don't think it needs to be like an exact science when making adjustments. Just something close enough, something in the right direction should work out well. I'd say, you know, as far as what filters to set as a beginner, I would trust the defaults, right? Um, you know, 13 is fine. And, and 13 was still what we got, right? 
I'm somebody who trusts the builder a lot. I think it takes time to, to gain that trust of what SaberSim is doing. And I'm also somebody, you know, who works for SaberSim now, a longtime user turned employee. So, so a lot of faith in the product, a really good understanding of how it works. So I definitely trust it a lot. I think that, you know, continuing to use the defaults is perfectly fine. And then um, doing some tests to see what the builder does in certain instances to gain some more trust and kind of learn how it works is totally good. And that is good for the learning process as well. It'll give you a better understanding of, of what SaberSim is good at and what SaberSim is bad at in certain instances, right? So that's how I would use it. Uh, defaults are no problem there, but definitely think there is some merit, especially as like the number of games on the slate goes down. You know, if this was like a like a four-game slate or a three-game slate, we're actually not going to change the defaults. The defaults are basically uh, for the sport and not for specific slate sizes, mostly because regardless of whether this is a four-game slate or a 12-game slate, it is still an NBA classic main slate. So uh, the builder is not, you know, kind of equipped to, to uh, notice that and apply filters based on, uh, different, um, game sizes. But I think that, you know, there's an opportunity for, for somebody to come in and make different, uh, adjust the filters based on the size of the slate. I definitely think that has some merit, but good question there. All right. Uh, looking here, uh, that was our last question in the discord. And that was the conclusion of all of our questions in the oh no, I got one more right here from DJ Sirius said if I lock three core players and just run a first build, the Saber Sim fill in the rest with what it thinks is the best players. Uh yep, pretty much exactly how it does it. So, you know, if you're playing NBA, you come in here, you set a group rule, you know, use exactly three, and you pick in, you know, Luca. Maybe you pick in a value play, uh Desmond Bain. And then you pick in somebody else that you like, maybe a LaMelo. What it's going to do is it's going to make sure that these three players are in your lineup and then basically solve the rest of the lineup and the, with the remaining roster spots, with the remaining salary from there. You're giving it, uh, you know, inputs, anything you give, you know, at this point, you know, it's kind of like an, an input and i um, going to say, you know, must have these three players and uh go from there so that that is basically how it works dj serious all right uh that was our last question uh thank you everybody for tuning in we will be right back here tomorrow as always 2 p.m eastern monday through friday for our friday show last show before the new year should be a fun one but appreciate all the questions if you guys have questions throughout the day the Office Hours channel is the best place to get them in early so we can build up a queue of questions to have for this show. If you're not in the Discord, don't know where the Office Hours channel is, there's a link in the description below to get joined up, as well as a link to a seven-day, no-strings-attached free trial of SaberSim. Highly recommend checking us out. A lot of sports going on at the moment. Uh, no better time to use that free trial. So I will see you all tomorrow. Good luck in your contests.